Hello, I'm Cheryl, and this is Sleep Tight Relax, a calming bedtime podcast for the young and young at heart. It's time to get cozy in bed and listen to tonight's story. Our sleep story tonight is part five of the magic soap bubble. Ned and the bluebird head off together towards the forest. The gnome king has given Ned the bluebird for company as he travels around. As they head off into the forest, Ned soon sees a dwarf. Ned is frightened and glad that he put the bluebird in his pocket. When the dwarf starts coming towards Ned, the bluebird takes the gold ring and flies off for help. If you are laying down warm and secure in your bed, let's start with taking some deep belly breaths. If you aren't yet in bed, or maybe you are just taking some time to relax, that is okay too. Take a slow, deep breath in through your nose, as big a breath as you can and as slow as you can, then slowly let the air out through your mouth. Try it again. Take a deep breath in and let the air slowly flow out. Take a deep breath in and now out. If you haven't already, consider closing your eyes or you can look at a spot above you. Imagine you are lying on a fluffy white cloud. It lifts you off the ground and into the sky. You are free to float and relax. Let your body sink into the cloud. As you imagine yourself floating, continue to take deep belly breaths. If a worry comes into your mind, just let it float away like all the clouds that are surrounding you. Continue using your imagination like this as long as you like, as we continue with part five of the magic soap bubble. The door opened and Ned once more found himself by the side of a great flat stone in the hillside, where rippling waters of the little stream flowed into the pool at the foot of the great oak tree, on which sat a lovely bluebird. Following the bluebird, Ned turned to one side to avoid climbing the hill and continued his journey for some time keeping the bluebird in sight at all times. It was almost dark when they were confronted by a dense forest. This was not particularly reassuring to Ned, especially as the bluebird flew back and settled herself on his shoulder, 
evidently not wishing to enter the woods at so late an hour. For in a deep black forest with all sorts of strange shadows and large trees, one never knows what might be lurking about. And Ned felt his teeth set hard and his heart stand still as he came into the shadow of the great trees. The little bird nestled close to his cheek and refused to leave his shoulder. Ned indeed felt that he must now look out for himself, and though his heart beat high, he bravely trudged forwards. It was very unlike the woods to which he had been used to going with his schoolmates at home, where bright green maples, beeches, and birches made a leafy bower overhead. Instead, there were impressive pines and hemlocks, and as he entered deeper, great caverns appeared in the rocks and narrow gullies, into which one might easily fall. Through this dismal place he trudged on with his knees shaking, but with a brave heart, until he came to a great pine, which evidently had been struck by lightning, for it stood up white and tall, lifting its bare arms to the sky like some giant. Luckily, he had placed the bluebird in his pocket fearing that the low-hanging branches would sweep it from his shoulders. Had he not done so before arriving at this spot, the opportunity would not have presented itself again. Right at the foot of the pine on a decaying log sat a little old man. He was about half the size of ordinary men though through the whiteness of his hair and beard showed plainly that he would never be any taller. And though his body was short and crooked, his face was long and pale, but it was lit up with wonderfully brilliant eyes. These were fixed on Ned from the moment he came into sight. Indeed, it is not quite certain that he would have gone forward at all if the greater part of the forest had not been behind him. Though there seemed to be a spell in the strange eyes that drew the boy on, in spite of himself. Come along, what are you afraid of? cried the dwarf in a little dry voice that sounded like the cracking of a dry twig beneath one's foot. Ned hesitated and as if seeking the comfort of something alive and friendly, put his hand into his pocket alongside the little bluebird. Come on, come on, little master, repeated the dwarf. Here I have been waiting more than an hour to tell you some good news. And now that you are here, you would delay me because you are so afraid? I don't know you, said Ned as an excuse. Well, well, no matter. I know you well enough. Would you read about gnomes and then be so afraid that you would fear to associate with them? As he finished speaking, he arose, showing a doorway in the trunk of the pine tree behind him. 
At that moment, a beautiful dwarf maiden came out and, as if having heard the conversation, said, He is not afraid, father. See, he will shake hands with me. Ned put out his hand, but drew it back just in time to escape having the gold ring, which the fairy queen had given him, slipped off his finger by the dwarf maiden. Selfish mortal, she cried. "'Tis nothing but a little gold band. Give it to me. See, I will exchange this beautiful diamond for it." And she held out a sparkling stone set in a gold ring. Ned drew back in alarm. Continuing to step back, Ned kept his eyes upon the dwarf, who advanced now with an upraised arm. Seeing this, Ned quickly threw off his coat and picked up a stick, preparing to defend himself. It would have gone badly for him, as the dwarf was surprisingly strong and agile, had relief not come from an unexpected quarter. The little bluebird had quietly slipped out of Ned's pocket, and flying up to him, took the gold ring about her neck in accordance with the command of the Fairy Queen, which Ned remembered suddenly and luckily in time. Off flew the bird to the great tall pine and touched it with the magic ring. In an instant, it changed into a giant who stretched forth one of his great hands and picking up the dwarf, threw him over the trees. The dwarf maiden, with a cry, rushed after him. The giant now turned to Ned, saying, Little master, I owe it to you that I am once more my natural self. An evil spirit transformed me into that tree, but the magic of your ring has restored me once more to my natural shape. I will from now on serve you while the occasion lasts. And with these words, he knelt before Ned most humbly. At the same time, the bluebird handed Ned his magic ring. And with this faithful little friend, his gold ring, and the giant for a servant, Ned felt that he had nothing further to fear while traveling in Gnomeland. Thank you, my good friend, said Ned, placing his hand upon the bowed head of the giant. You are certainly grateful for what I have done for you, which is more than can be said of many mortals. But had I not had the magic ring and the assistance of my little companion, the bluebird, you would still be the tree you were. Let us, therefore, the three of us, pledge allegiance to one another and set out upon our journey of adventure. As he finished speaking, the giant rose up and carefully placing Ned upon his shoulder, started off at a rapid stride. The little bluebird flew ahead and in a short time, the three friends emerged from the forest. In the distance could be seen the turrets of a stately castle, which looked down from a high point of land 
upon a beautiful river that wound in and out like a silver ribbon through the meadow. Who lives in yonder castle? asked Ned, unconsciously adopting the style of language in Gnomeland. I know not, answered the giant, but with a few more steps, we will be able to inquire at the side gates. It was indeed a stately castle, and upon reaching the drawbridge, Ned was surprised to find that it was not lowered for them to cross over, although they waited for some time. I think I'll blow upon my policeman's whistle, said Ned, hunting through his pockets. I certainly had it when I left home. Blow hard, advised the giant as Ned brought it forth. Blow hard that those within may think us worthy of admittance. Upon which Ned let out a blast that could do justice to any knight of the round table. He was himself surprised at the volume of sound, but was too much interested in what was about to happen to realize that the touch of his magic ring had made it possible for the small, nickel-plated whistle to create such a sound. Soon the drawbridge began slowly to descend, and when the creaking chains ceased their noise, our three friends crossed over to the castle gates. These were thrown wide open, and just as the giant placed Ned upon his feet in front of the castle doors, they opened, disclosing a beautiful princess on the threshold. Welcome, Ned, to you and your two friends. Whereupon the giant bowed very low, and the little bluebird flew over and nestled on her shoulder. Ned was too delighted to speak for a moment, for up to this time, his experiences had been most trying. But here at last, it seemed that fortune smiled upon him. So he and the giant followed her into the stately hall, the giant finding it necessary to stoop each time he entered a doorway. For, although the castle was built on magnificent lines, it had not occurred to the architect that a giant would ever be a guest. When they were all seated, except the giant, who sprawled on the floor, as there was no chair large enough to accommodate him, the beautiful princess said, I would ask you to spend the night here, but my stepfather returns tonight, and I fear he will do you some harm. I fear nothing answered Ned courageously, standing up to appear more dignified. And if I can be of any service to you, say but a word, for I have a trusty friend in the giant, and also a clever one in my little bluebird, to say nothing of the magic of this ring. And he touched the gold band around his finger and bowed again to the beautiful princess. My stepfather is very crafty, said the princess, looking at Ned intently, as if weighing the possibilities of his assistance. He once changed a giant into a pine tree. At these words, the giant began to shake and tremble 
so that the glass-cut chandeliers rattled all over the castle. Remember, I have the magic ring, Ned whispered, leaning over to where the giant lay upon the floor. Nothing can harm us with that in our possession. What would you have me do? asked Ned, turning again to the beautiful princess, for he felt that she was unwilling to ask him the favor, fearing it might prove to be harmful to him. Still, the beautiful princess remained silent until the bluebird began to sing a sweet song, perching upon her shoulder, as if intending the song for her ears especially. Then tears fell from her eyes. "'Tis the song my brother wanted to sing,' she said, "'but now?' And hiding her face in her hands, she wept more bitterly than before. He has been sent away and hidden by my stepfather. I know not where. We will find him for you, princess, cried Ned. Fear not, for I have confidence in my two friends and myself. Give us all something to eat so that we may have strength to undertake this adventure. The princess immediately ordered a great feast to be set before them. And when our three comrades had eaten their fill, they once more set out upon their journey with the wishes of the beautiful princess for their safety and successful return. As they wound their way through the pleasant valley, every so often the little bluebird would sing her song loud and sweet, and then would pause with folded wing to listen as if expecting an answer. So they went on for many miles, until, as they approached a cottage by the roadside, Ned thought he heard a familiar sound. Indeed, he was sure that something important was about to happen, for the bluebird was whirring around in circles and singing as if her life depended upon the way she trilled and warbled. Why, there is a bluebird in that wicker cage, exclaimed Ned, pointing towards the cottage porch from which swung a bird cage. It was indeed true, and in another moment Ned's bluebird was perched on the railing close by. Scrambling down from the giant's friendly shoulder, Ned touched the cage, and to his amazement, the little door flew open and out walked a handsome young prince, about his own age. Who are you? cried Ned. But before he could reply, the giant exclaimed, He must be the brother of the princess. We have indeed completed our adventure, or nearly so, he added, remembering they had yet to deal with the crafty stepfather. How can I ever repay you, cried the little prince, who was at first unable to speak from the joy of it all. I am free, I am free. And he almost cried with delight, flinging his arms around Ned's sturdy form and patting the leg of the giant. Come, little bluebird, and let me thank you too, he added, as the pretty bird circled in the air 
and landed on Ned's shoulder. Indeed, it was a happy moment for all. And now, said Ned, let us think of the best way to return to the castle so that the princess may receive her long-lost brother. The easiest way is the best way, said the giant. Both you boys climb up on my back, and in 500 short seconds, we'll be back at the castle. When Ned and the prince had seated themselves comfortably on the great shoulders of the giant, he set off at a tremendous rate. And soon, they were ascending the hill on which stood the castle of the beautiful princess. And that is the end of this part. Good night, sleep tight. <laughs>